You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro, who is the Deputy Chairman of Sassman Securities in Johannesburg. And it's his birthday today, and he is, well, I won't be rude, David. You, you, you tell us if you want if you want to tell us how old are you today, please. I'm old. I'm very old. I'm 72. <laughs> yeah, but you still run 10 kilometers every single day, right? <laughs> well, nearly. I always say uh, I run an hour in the mornings, but it's taking me a lot longer than it used to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're fit, and I mean, it. it, it ah, I, well, in, I, a, in a limited way, yeah. I hear about all these things, and I keep on reading these articles and saying that half an hour's exercise a day, whether it's just walking or a little bit of bicycling or rowing or whatever it is, which is what I do, helps you keep your brain alert and everything. Mm. Have you found that? I mean, for example, if you didn't run for a week, do you think it would change your outlook on life? I get grumpy, yeah. I enjoy getting up in the morning, and and I don't like gyms because I like the fresh air. Yes. Whether it's hot or cold, I like to get out. And it also does clear your thoughts, you know, especially in the industry in which we're in. Uh, sometimes you need to think things through and uh, digest the news and uh, it, it just helps you. You know, what I can never understand is that uh, so many people run with pot with things hanging out their ears. Yes. And I say, you know, that's I, I can't understand how you can go in the morning and listen to music. I don't know what kind of music. I'm always interested to hear what kind of stuff they're listening to. But I think I just prefer when I say the sound of silence, just the sound of what's happening around me and, you know, and also to take in what's happening around me. So um, I'm, I'm very old fashioned in that way. I do not run with things wrapped around me and all kinds of wires and taking my pulse and taking all kinds of other measurements which i don't think help do anything for you so what you know your body tells you how how exactly. you can run <laughs> you don't need to you don't you know, need to know these things it says well you've nah, just you've just burned 456 calories i can <laughs> so see that, I don't know what that means. i've just got on the scale i mean i can see how many of you. Oh, for goodness you started in the business when then i mean we let's talk about 50 years ago i started working over nearly 51 years ago but i mean I actually uh, I started on the stock exchange in 1972. So, yeah, that's 49, what's that? <laughs> 47 years, 47 years, yeah, 40, yeah. 48 years. And you trained as an accountant and then you went and became a stockbroker because of your yeah. father. Yeah. Well, but he was there. I thought, uh, you know, to be honest, I wanted to be an artist or something else. I don't think I wanted to be a stockbroker. But uh, and there was no work, there was no money in art or architecture, so... I joined the market, but I enjoy, you know, I enjoy the market. I enjoy, because even, even talking to you now, you know, you go through current events. Yes. You digest, you know, we're talking about things that are happening on a day to day basis. Uh, even if it's soccer, it doesn't, these are newsy things that you have to keep in touch with. And of course you do. You're trying to think through, uh, you know, what's, what's happened. Is it important? Is it not important? And uh, um, you've got to try and work out, the news against what's happening in the market to say, why is the market not responding to this? Why is it? So it's challenging all the time. And I enjoy that. You know, I enjoy, I enjoy reading uh, um, what's happening in the economist, the wall street journal, you know, the New York times. So it's, uh, um, I don't say, you know, everything. I don't say I'm an expert, but it's, you do as best as you can. And then you've got to try and guess what's, how does this all translate? You know, what do we buy? Well, because we, we're trying to forecast the future, and uh, you need the background. So that's what, I, you know, that's what I enjoy about the market. I don't enjoy doing complicated spreadsheets or going through results 
you know, to the second decimal. I mean, going through sheet after sheet of numbers and trying to work out something. I like to get the big picture. It is very interesting, isn't it? Because uh, when you started 47 years ago on the exchange, there was interaction between you and the other brokers on Diagon yep. Street. And yeah. um, it was very much uh, to do with human interaction and people were teasing yep. each other. And yeah, there, mm. would be, there would be emotions involved. Today, I yep. think people have become a little bit too clever and a little bit too greedy and a little bit mm. too rapacious. Obviously, greed yeah. formed a part of your life on Diagonal Street. But on the other hand, it seems to have got out of hand today. It, you, know, you know what was very interesting? First of all, when we were on the floor, you knew when the market was going up because mm. the noise levels picked up. And you knew there was action, you know, and suddenly out of the blue, you'd hear somebody shouting in a certain stock, you know, and you knew there was action. And so you were able to, to pick up the vibe, you know, you could pick up the tempo of the market by just being there. Yes. Uh, we never had the levels of information. But I'll tell you what's very interesting, and it's helping to clarify what we've been talking about. Yesterday in the Financial Times, there was an article about reducing trading times. Yes. In other words, shortening. Uh, there's some people who love to be at their desks the whole day from early in the morning to late at the evening um, looking at screens. But that's not the point I want to make. What, what I did find out from that, is that in the UK, and it happens here as well, 35% of the trade takes place in the last, in the closing auction, yes. in a similar closing auction, 35%. That's because the ETFs today, your exchange trader funds, have such a big influence, they influence the price. In other words, they make the price of the day with those last trades in the last 35, you know, 35% in the last 10 minutes. That's when the prices are being made on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's horrific. You know what I mean? That means that, that you're, it, it's these exchange-traded funds, and I would assume that there's unit trust involved in, in tracker funds and everything. That's what the market is. And it just shows you the influence of, of these funds now over what used to be a, a kind of a trading day. So, uh, I, you know, I'm still trying to work out what that means. Um, we've, I know Julieta is doing a story, Julieta Televi at uh, Financial Mail. Yes. And um, I think the whole thing is about small caps. And, and you can see that small caps have lost their significance because if they're not in an ETF, they're totally ignored. So if you, and, and the ETFs generally try and track the, uh, the index. Or they are the index. So that's the safe route. You, you, you know what I'm trying to get at? The safe route is you don't get into trouble if you track the index. On the other hand, it does present opportunities because if you're a small investor, I mean, obviously the Alan mm. Grays, and, and I noticed yep. Alan Gray, um, the founder of Shame Alan died, Gray, yeah. he, he died at the age of 81. Uh, but what I'm saying is that the Alan Grays and the investor asset managements and the prudentials of this world can't invest in small companies, the yes. coronations as well, they, they can't do it. Yeah. So that leaves the door open for untracked stocks who may yes. actually be yes. actually, little little gems that we don't know about. Dead right. Absolutely right. So if you can seek out these gems, you know, which going back to the good old days of Buffett, you know, where uh, information wasn't available to Benjamin Graham, if those exist, yes, you can make plenty of money. You've got to do, and it's for small clients. You know, it's for when I say small clients, clients with perhaps not the kind of clout of the investors, coronations, and so on. So there is an opportunity there. 
But for the run of the mill financial planner, you don't want to find a small cap that goes belly up an EOH or a Blue mm. Label or some of these kind of companies because you want to hug the index so that your 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 you know your client is uh, is doing as well as the market. If the market's down, you're down. If the market's up, you're up. But definitely, there is in a, in a broader context. What's happened though? What happened is that because small caps are ignored people don't bring them to the market anymore and they don't raise capital because of, you know, they, I think, I think there's an opportunity and I think the exchanges have forgone for their, uh, their mission, which was really to provide a cap, a base for people to raise money, you know, to the market. And, and I think that's gone. You know, that's the one thing that, that I feel very angry about that stock exchanges don't encourage uh, smaller capital in you know, a small caps to come to the market. There used to be an incubator for for small companies. Yes. I mean, if you look at yes. something like I'm, I'm trying to think of two examples. Dimension Data it was probably a one rand yes. twenty stock when it when it first started, and then it yes. went up to over a hundred rand a share when it listed on when it listed in London. You look at yes. Cash Build, for example. There's mm. another one. There right. was a, but we don't see those anymore. Where no. are they? No. Look, they might have been. They might be having problems because the. South African economy is under a huge amount of stress, but uh, and they might not exist for the meantime on this market, but they certainly exist in the world. You know, yes. in global markets, they certainly exist. But on our market, we might be going through a, a rather dull period because of uh, underlying economic circumstances. But I think ignoring that, that's, you know, it, this is a trend that has been developing for for longer than that, for, you know, the good 10, 15 odd years. So what happens is these smaller big companies become prey of either bigger companies or they become prey of uh, private equity. Yeah. You know, they snapped up there. So I, I think this is a big change. And uh, we've just seen the number of shares on the JSC diminish, you know, get smaller and smaller and more concentrated all the time. Can you imagine, I mean, Amazon, mm. Jeff Bezos sitting there in his garage at his house mm. or his parents' house, whatever the story is, and now he's the richest man in the world, or officially yeah. the richest man in the world. And you look at Alibaba mm. and see what's happened yeah. to that, uh, that giant retailer. But they, they, they yeah. started very, very small. This wasn't as if yes. they, were, they were taken yeah. over by somebody or they were created. Yeah. They were created from nothing. They, they came to an exchange. And the exchange yeah. incubated them, and they became what they are yeah. now. It's, it's, it's amazing. We don't see that I, on the JSC anymore. No, no. And, and the whole of the stock exchange, admittedly it was different, mm. but the JSC was built on, on raising money for mining companies. Yes. Because mining companies could not rely on debt. Why? Because it takes a long time to create cash flow to pay off debt. Therefore, you have to raise equity. And, you know, if I go back, uh, okay, I started in 72, but I think if you go back to to when the JSC started in 1886, that's been one of the characteristics. It's been a marketplace. The South African economy would never have grown uh, without without a stock exchange, without a, uh, a joint stock company, you know, without people taking the risk and investing in these mines, for which they never got returns for quite a few years. Yes. And in many cases, these companies just fell by the wayside. So, yes, it, 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 it might suit mining companies, but there's, that's, you know, that's where the JSC, I think, has kind of just neglected what it's there for.
Let's have a look at some of the stories from today, um, David. Uh, five past seven yeah. this morning, Vodacom Group came out with its numbers. Yes. I know you're not a big fan anymore. No, I can't ex-growth. Mm. Very, very difficult. Look, I know they're paying a special dividend, and the results are a little flattering because of uh, comparatives. Yes. You know, in in the last year's uh, numbers, they had a BE deal, which uh, uh, doesn't exist. So it, it's flattering. If you look at the top line, it's moderate growth. It's very, very modest. There's nothing exceptional there. I'm not – this is not – I am not um, questioning the quality of the company. And uh, – but but I'm, it's merely a business that has gone – that is finding it very difficult to grow, you know, to grow the top line. And uh, I always say that uh, the, the big growth area is data or data and mm. uh, whichever way you want to pronounce it. But the problem is that nobody wants to spend, you know, and, and I was reading an article. Uh, the only reason I read the article is that uh, everybody kept asking me if I was a David Shapiro from Google who happens to be introducing free Wi-Fi into the Cape Flats. You know, Google are doing that. Yes. So, yeah, Google are taking that up. But it's 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 everybody wants Wi-Fi now for free. And, of course, without Wi-Fi, you can't really, or uh, Internet, you can't really uh, expand an economy. It's a very big growth driver. But people want it for nothing. So you've got to think of other ways in which to make money. And I think that's the biggest challenge. They added 2.7 million South African subscribers. And I was talking to somebody this morning about that. And I said, well, where did these 2.7 million come from? And he said, well, God, Lindsay. He said, Lindsay, this is it. I've got, uh, I've got a phone. And I've got a contract. So that's one. That's one of me. I've got a, a data thing as well. Uh, that, so that's two of me. And I've also got at home, I've got a Vodacom broadband for my residence. My, my Wi-Fi yeah. is Vodacom. So I'm one person, but I'm three. So what is they're doing yeah. is just not getting blood out of a stone, but they're certainly uh, milking you for everything that you've got. Yeah. So one yeah. one person becomes three people, in other words. <laughs> well, there are more subscribers here, you're dead right, than people. So yes. I, I don't. I, I think what what's uh, adding subscribers is is I don't. Uh, one's got to look at the numbers that they they've actually added. Look at the cash that they're generating. Look at the the revenue that they're producing. I think that's where you get a better feel. Uh, the rest is very difficult to understand. I know it gives you a feeling of what might come down the line if they added seven million. Means that they, you know, they might have more people to uh, to build. But um, you know, those numbers also is very, very difficult to reconcile. One hundred fifteen million business. people. They've got one hundred fifteen yeah. million people that they service. It's <laughs> a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> but but don't take it's a good organisation, and I'm not mm. questioning them. I'm just thinking that globally. These businesses are going through huge amounts of problems. And I, and I always say by comparison, if you go to the United States, I think there used to be four operators. It's down to three. Uh, there's T-Mobile. I think Sprint is now being sold to one of them. Uh, so what do you got? T-Mobile, Verizon, and uh, uh, AT&T. Mm. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Well, I think we're over-serviced That's the whole of America. Yes, exactly. And why? Because... Uh, and so we've got fundamentally two, and you know we know that Chelsea is absolutely battling, and even even uh, Telcom has now come under a lot of pressure. 
Let's move on to other things now. There's been some announcements uh, today. So it's been a fairly busy corporate day, David. Rebosis Property Fund, they came out with their results. Share price up about 3% at the moment. Um, <laughs> well, that's uh, it's fallen about 600%. Yeah. <laughs> Robix is up half a percent after its uh, interim results. What else happened? And uh, Aspen Pharmacare. Well, you know, Robix, yeah, if you look at Robix, yes. um, you know, if you look at Robix, I mean, it's come through very, very difficult times. These uh, these poor businesses, and I, and I go back to our discussion on 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 uh, PP Cement last week. Yes, it's 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 an area of the market under immense, you know, immense pressure. It just isn't any spending on, uh, you know, just no spending on infrastructure. I must add to that, Lindsay. One of our, one of the chaps in this office, and I I I, I shouldn't mention the name, the, no, don't. the person, but I but no, not our trader, but. Oh. He was golfing with a man very well known, very uh, high up in the retail industry, and he says, in all his life, he has never experienced an October like this. He says last month was the worst month he has ever experienced in retail. And really? I'm talking to a chap who's got const- who's 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 uh, been in the industry for many many years, and I mean whose authority um, I would take. Uh, says this is the worst, October was the worst month ever. Now, what might be happening through discussion is that saving uh, up. people are del- saving up for uh, yeah. Black Friday exactly. where bargains are given. Yeah. So, And then December, that screws up December. So I don't know what it points to, but people are not doing any purchasing now, waiting for next, you know, for later on this month. Okay, so we've got that one. Uh, we've got Aspen. They've, they've they're selling yeah. off, they're selling off their family silver here. Um, yeah. Six six yeah. and a half billion they got for their Japanese yeah. assets, um, which mm. is a shame. I mean, it just shows you they, they probably wouldn't sell it if their balance sheet was a, a little mm. bit healthier. Would you not say? Dead right. Well, they're cleaning up. These mm. are deals that they entered into some time ago, and they're bringing down uh, their debt to a point where they're probably in a comfortable. They're getting into a comfortable position. And uh, they're about as comfortable as they can be now. Now it's up to them to take what uh, the remaining operations and make them work. Mm. Um, I'm not sure they can raise further kinds of money, you know. And and uh, um, so, yeah, they've got themselves out of trouble that they never envisaged they'd be in. Uh, you know, credit to management. They've, they've got their balance sheet in better position. They've moved – the shares have moved up from about the bottom of about 60, which may have, might have been overdone to where they are now, about – 117? 117, yeah. Exactly. Listen, this was a – I think we, we always like to put these things into perspective because uh, it's – yes, if you got it on the bottom, but this was a share that, you know, before uh, – when, when trouble hit was tr- trading around about 300. So, you know, they they way, way off where – um, I think it peaked in, the, in, in about 4.40 or something, didn't it? They did. I think and that was back in 2015. Mm, it's I not think, that long uh, ago. Uh, yeah, no. No, that was in 2015. That's four years ago or just over four years ago. And then they, they, they kind of leveled out and they were forming a very strong base around 300 people waiting for them. And then debt, just debt and pressure on that, the industry just knocked them all the way back. So they've got a long road. Yes, they've come back, and uh, but we we need to see operational performances now. You know, we need to see something on that side. My Hail Mary fund, which yes. uh, uh, that you, you didn't like, it was ArcelorMittal and PPC, which yeah. we spoke about last week. I noticed that at one stage ArcelorMittal was up ten percent today. So well done. It's up six percent at the yep. moment. You know what they're doing? I think they're closing some factories. I think in Soldana. Mm. I haven't seen the announcement yet, but apparently 
uh, the issues down there. It says here, you'll understand this, it says here, conclusion of the first phase of the strategic asset footprint review and further information on the S189 process. Now, what what does that mean? What is S189? You must know this. I I have no idea. I feel feel much better now because I know what what they're talking about. What else are you saying? Oh, multi-choice. There we go. Of course, it's down about around about 1%. This is one that you are really not a fan of. Apart from watching yeah, news I, and football, you, you're not a fan mm, of the company. I, I think they've got uh, again. It's it's uh, poor management find themselves in a very difficult position. You know, fighting against uh, streaming that's coming on in in a big way here. Uh, they're doing as best as they can as well. I think the the recent results flattered flattered them because it was the first set of results, and uh, I think the market was expecting a little more from from them than we've done. But they're okay, you know. I'm not. Uh, it, it's I don't I don't expect uh, big growth out of them. So that's where you say when I'm not a fan, I like to look at a company and say, okay, where are they going to be three, four, five years down the line? Not where they are now. You know, I'm not a trading. I'm not trading on short term. Uh, movements in in earnings or anything. I'm saying, what's the likely path of someone like multi choice? And I can't see it being very bright. I think they're going to find obstacles along the way, and obstacles coming in Amazon, uh, Disney, Netflix, mm. all of these people who are streaming. And you know, all you need, Lindsay, is an internet connection. You know, Netflix comes from your part of the woods up there in uh, in the Netherlands. Yes. And all you need to do is connect, you know, and pay $7 or whatever your subscription is. Mm-hmm. And hello, I've got Netflix. It yeah. doesn't come through a decoder. It just comes on the internet. Yes, you're quite right. You are. Anyway, let's have a look at these numbers. The group added 1.2 million 90-day active subscribers, representing 7% year-on-year growth, taking the overall 90-day active subscriber base to 18.9 million households. Yeah, 7% year-on-year, that, that's okay. But as you quite rightly say, the competition, they've really got to keep ahead. I mean, I'm sure they can reinvent themselves because the management and the history of their management has been one of innovation, I think. Yes. So maybe they yes. will be able to do something. Maybe they'll have a strategic yeah. deal with one of these companies that you've been speaking about. I don't know. But anyway, the market uh, the market's not too dis- displeased with the numbers, down a percent or so. No, look, they're at, they're at probably high high end of where they've been trading or you know ever since a listing mm. but um and 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 as i've repeated many times the whole point is that they've got to start creating local content and local content for different areas for south africa for wherever else they operate in in uh, nigeria whatever they've got to keep going along and and, and giving people there what they want um, I I I watch them. I watch the news. I watch uh, football. You know what I mean. I watch football, <laughs> a lot of it, yes. and um, and and whatever. But uh, when it comes to entertainment, I go into the streaming. I go into Netflix. And you know, you know what's interesting today, Lindsay. If people want to binge, if a series comes out, they yes. want to watch the whole series. They want to watch all <laughs> eight episodes in one view, yeah, or alternatively right. over two or three days. You know, yeah. they don't want to watch. The old way of us going week by week by week. Like know? Dallas oh, on a Thursday night. That's right. <laughs> you know, where you wait for the next episode. I think now it's it's all at once. So the whole the whole way that you know the whole way that we watch things has changed as well. 
Yeah, I was watching the BBC this morning and they said, right, this series is now available only on BBC iPlayer. So you're not turning the telly on anymore. And as you say, watching watching this thing one week after the next. Yeah, as you, you know, with filthy weather, you're binge watching. But I don't know if that's well, healthy, what's healthy or not. Well, what's exactly what's coming up this week? The Crown. You know, oh, yeah, all about Olivia yeah, Coleman. Episode, yeah, episode three. Mm. I mean, or yeah. So you're not going to watch that over the next eight or nine weeks. You know, you're going to watch repetitively one, you know, one after the other. Mm. Olivia so, Coleman yeah. and um, also Helena Bonham Carter. It looks really, yeah. really good. And it's all to do with, I think, the investiture of Prince Charles as as Prince of Wales, and it's yes. a, it's a very faithful reconstruction. I mean, I've seen the original footage and seen. The BBC really do things very well indeed. Uh, very well. Yeah. I I enjoy it. I've I've really enjoyed this series. What's interesting is that following the series, you get the uh, you know you get the comparison with what really happened. In many cases, it's true. There's a little bit of poetic license in order to make it watchable, and that, but you know, which went around Prince Philip. But I mean, in his early days, you know, he's quite a boy. But uh, <laughs> but still, I think the royal family can handle that and uh, <laughs> forgiving. So we're going to 1970 now. I think we're thereabouts. Yeah, mm, exactly. So 1969 still, was um, was when Prince Charles 1969. was okay. uh, made uh, the Prince of Wales. Yes, 1969. Anyway, I'm looking forward to that, David. The S and P's down 15 at the moment. We're yep. down around about yep. half a percent because yet again the Chinese story is not good, and also the Hong Kong story is becoming even more rarefied yeah. than it has been. That, that, that looks pretty yeah. unpleasant. When we have a look at the South African story, we've got Aspen, Capco, Hammerson, Anglo, Platt, and Assor doing well on the upside. On the downside. Mr. Price, PSG Consult, RB Platt, Discam, and Glencore. And what you've said about the October period has really struck a chord with me now because yeah. it's going to be very interesting because, as you say, people are saving up and saying, right, yeah. Black, Black, Black Friday. Black Friday, yeah, and then and Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday, mm. that sort of thing. Maybe mm. people are ho- holding back. I don't know whether mm. they should be, mm. but um, it, it could be that. It could be something, even something a little yeah. bit more sinister. We don't know. But anyway, a couple of the retailers on the downside, Discam and Mr. Price, for example. Um, anything else you're seeing, David? I, look, the, uh, the other story is that we're seeing quite a bit of pressure on the miners. Mm. And uh, it, it's, it's something that started last week. We saw the gold prices come all the way back to 1460. It might have stabilized slightly now. Uh, platinum price has also been unraveling recently, you know, back below 80, uh, pressure there. So uh, some of those hedges or some of those uh, um, positions are coming under a little bit of pressure, mm. and that's reflecting on it. So if you look at the market today, you'll see the miners are are down about 1.5%. Um, the RAND's taken a bit of a weakening on that, but on the upside, there's not much to, to you know, not much to celebrate. Uh, Aspen, as you mentioned, we've, we've discussed that, but these retailers are really under pressure now. Uh, you know, taking some strain. It, it, it's also peculiar because um, last week we saw quite strong movements in the market, uh, some very, very strong movements midweek. And then from Thursday, Friday, they gave it up. Now, this is the third day of big losses that, uh, you know, that, 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 that we've seen right across the board. But, you know, the other story is, is with Trump. You know, you know what's difficult, Lindsay, um, is that, You'll hear from various spokesmen. You'll hear from Larry Kudlow, who's the economic advisor, from Wilbur Ross, who's secretary of the economy. I think of, of, of what's his exact title, uh, of commerce. And then 
you hear um, Mnuchin, who's Secretary of, uh, of, of Finance, Finance Secretary, and then all of them are giving you a strong view, positive view about the trade deal that's going to take place. And then Trump comes out and said, well, this is nonsense. I haven't hmm. quite agreed. Who do you listen to? You know, who, Fox News. everybody's, you know, you know what I mean? They all talk differently. So obviously Trump likes to be in charge and he doesn't like anybody to talk ahead of him. Did you and, see the story uh, with Nikki Haley, the former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations? Her book, I think, was published yesterday or the day before. Was it? Uh, Nikki Haley, do you remember? Is her name I Nikki? know her, sure. Yeah. Yes, of course. Her book's just come I out. Thought, you should hear what she's saying about Mr. Trump. It's quite interesting. I'm he's surprised because he was they, quite a big supporter of her. I mean, she appeared a supporter. He was a supporter of her as well. I mean, really wished her well. I, I'm, I'm, I, I can imagine I haven't seen anything that... Have a look at this. Uh, have a look. We'll, we'll talk about it uh, next time. But it's uh, it's an interesting one because it, it, it's almost as though she's implying that people just have to try and manage the situation in the White House because he is such a loose cannon. Yeah. I can believe it because, he's, as we know, he's not the cleverest man in the world. No. <laughs> he says he is, though. <laughs> yeah, he's a stable genius. <laughs> anyway, David, what are you doing tonight okay. for your birthday, for your 72nd birthday? What are you doing? I do what all 72-year-olds do. Go to bed early. Oh, I'm, I'm soccer exhausted. Oh, yeah, we haven't spoken about that. Didn't Liverpool uh, look amazing last night? They were. Uh, yeah, you know, I've only got one gripe, is that I was watching Sheffield United, who had had a goal disallowed because of the millilitre, or what it, millimetre, I mean. Sorry, yes, no, a, toe, a, a toe length, yes. But whatever it was, goal disallowed. Here, in the penalty area, a blatant handball. Two blatant handballs, away. actually. Two, yeah, mm. yeah, and, and, and no reaction from VAR, so I'm saying, hold on a sec, <laughs> something's yeah. wrong, something's wrong. You know, five minutes of time to... to decide whether the toe was ahead of the other player or not. And yeah, this was just a brush to the side, which could change the competition. City should have had two game. penalties. In fact, yeah. the first one, which was very blatant, it came 21 seconds before Liverpool scored their first goal. City would have yeah. been one up, presumably, and that would have changed yeah. the whole thing. VAR must be must be revamped somehow because yeah. it, it was a, I, well, a travesty I, yesterday. I, that's, that's, that's the point. Hmm. You know, they spent so much time analysing and yet this one was just brushed off as though it didn't happen, you know, that there was no no reason to review it. Anyway, but that's uh, – you can't take from Liverpool's those goals. I mean, they were stunning, absolutely stunning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, David. As for Arsenal, <laughs> I'm dead. We won't even talk <laughs> about that They're not getting rid of him. They, they <laughs> will do, don't worry, in the January. <laughs> David, uh, enjoy your early night, and we'll speak, in a, we'll speak tomorrow. That's David Shapiro, who is the Deputy Chairman of Sassman Securities in Johannesburg. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.